Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. And we are talking with someone on the other side of the pond today. Lou, that's always fun to do, to be able to connect people around the world when we talk about manufacturing on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, somebody from the other side of the pond, and that pond we're talking about is the Atlantic Ocean. So why don't we we get this going? Let me introduce our guest who is uh, Ben Redwood. Ben is with uh, 3D Hubs. And he is the director of supply chain. And Ben, I'm going to have you explain to our listeners a little bit about what 3D Hubs is and what it does for the people who come to it. If you want to start there, of course. So first of all, Tim, Lou, thank you very much for having me today. I'm very excited about this. Um, what is 3D Hubs? So I'll give you our elevator pitch. We are an online manufacturing company. Um, basically, what we've done is we have online software that allows engineers, product designers, purchasers to come online with a 3D CAD model, upload it to our website. Um, within five seconds, we give instant pricing for that, uh, for that model um, based on the material and quantity that the customers selected. We also give instant design for manufacture feedback to our customers. They can see areas where there may be manufacturability problems um, with the design. And then with the simple click of a button, they can send those parts into production. And we have a global network of uh, manufacturing partners that we work with. Uh, and they can basically pick that job up as, up as quickly as five minutes. Uh, and we offer this across 3D printing, CNC machining, and injection molding. So our job really is to make manufacturing easy and accessible for everyone. And when an order is placed, uh, it could be coming from anywhere, any country in the world. Is that right? Correct, yeah. Because we're completely online, we have customers um, all over the world, uh, but we have a select group of countries that we work with, or locations, sorry, that we work with um, for suppliers. So we're in Europe, uh, North America, Australia, and the UK. Very good, very good. Uh, When uh, when a a print is submitted for uh, uh, pricing, uh, and it goes out, I guess, to multiple uh, vendors who can produce that particular part? I mean, how how is the selection process uh, determined by your network? Good question. So uh, when it comes to pricing a, a part and determining the lead time, what we do is we look back through the 2 million parts of data that we've produced on 3D Hubs. Uh, and we're actually instantly pricing that based on machine learning algorithms that 3D Hubs has built. So we'll look at similar parts with similar geometries uh, that are from similar materials to see what they were made for historically and then use that information to price the part. So from pricing, that means we can be very quick, we can be instant, and we're not depending on our suppliers to provide us with pricing information. On the supplier side, the moment that an order is actually sold and a customer pays for it, we send it to all our suppliers who have indicated that they have that potential technology and material and capacity, um, and it'll appear on a job board for them at a fixed price, and they can decide whether they want to accept or decline the job. So the you, you moved faster than I was. Uh, once you, once the, 
customer has a price, and let's say he has a price from three or four vendors, uh, theoretically of equal quality and equal deliveries, how is the selection made? Does the individual say, okay, I want vendor B, and then the whole no, process of, no. That, no, that's a little bit different. So um, 3D Hubs does the pricing. We don't turn to our suppliers for that. Um, we use all the information we have historically to price our parts. And then the moment that it's sold, it goes onto a job board that's displayed to all our suppliers who have indicated they're able to actually manufacture that job. And the indication is as simple as telling us, do they have the material available? And is this a technology they have available? Let's say we don't send a 3D printing order to a supplier. So all our suppliers in the network can see the job at the same time. And it's up to them to be quick enough to actually click on it and it ex- and accept it. Um, and then they win their order and it'll disappear off all the other suppliers' job boards. So it's a little like, uh, what's that chair game? Round and round and the last yeah, exactly. one standing yeah. loses? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, and I think that there are a few benefits for our customers here because it creates a, a, an environment of competition. Um, and that also, that also that always results in good pricing. Um, and then it also creates an environment where we have a lot of control over the, the suppliers that we have. So we can really see what orders they're accepting and how they're responding and, and the quality they're delivering. And that means we have a very certified and vetoed group of suppliers that we work with, uh, a vetted, sorry, group of suppliers that we work with to ensure that, that they're really producing high quality parts for our customers. And these parts are then produced and then shipped from wherever to wherever, correct? Correct. So um, an example is if you're a customer in the U.S., you can indicate that you want U.S. manufacture. Um, there might be a slight price change or a lead time uh, change in the pricing there. Um, or you can indicate that you're happy for any of our manufacturing partners anywhere in the world to produce the parts, and you'll see a different price. So we, we can be dynamic and allow the customers and really give them the choice to decide where they want the parts to be produced in that sense. This is very neat. What uh, what materials? Uh, I know that when uh, uh, 3D became more of the rage, uh, less of a rage than it is now, they were basically using plastics and uh, you know different uh, soft materials. I know they're using a lot of uh, you know aluminum and uh, titanium and so on. What materials are, are you referring to? For, for us, it, it depends on the technology. So for um, 3D printing, we have around 20 materials available. For um, CNC, I think we have around 20 as well. And then for injection molding, we have quite a long list, depending on what the customer requires. But these are just the materials that we can price instantly for our customers. Outside of this, we have a list of around 400 materials that are available. So no matter what the customers require, generally we have someone in our, in our network that can do it. We might just not be able to price it instantly with our coding tool. Wow, that's uh, quite impressive. Uh, you know, in I might terms ask of actual you... behavior, sorry, in terms of actual behavior, I think we by far see the most common material for CNC machining being um, aluminum mm-hmm. 6061, um, and that really dominates for us. Um, obviously, excellent strength-to-weight ratio, a nice machinable material, um, and, and offers really good, uh, really good uh, general mechanical properties. Um, for 3D printing, we see a lot of PLA, which is a very popular prototype in plastic, as well as a lot of nylon. Um, and for injection molding, just your standard like polypropylenes, poly- polyethylenes, these types of things. Before we forget and get too deep into this, why don't you give us your, um, 
uh, website address and uh, email for sales, if you would, so that people will know where to get in touch with you. Of course. So, yeah, like I said, we're, we're bringing manufacturing online. So everything we do is completely online. So your listeners can come on to uh, www.3dhub.com um, at any point, And we've got a brand new homepage, which is there, which will direct them uh, straight to our checkout, where they can basically start uploading their files and playing around with the tools that we have available to see, uh, to see how it compares to their current suppliers that they use. Very neat. Very neat. Uh, ben, so all that we have been talking about so far is your online on-demand manufacturing. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, and this is the core part of our business. Okay. And so what about automating human interactions to de-risk and accelerate the whole manufacturing process? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's essentially what we're really trying to do. We're trying to make what has predominantly been quite a slow and difficult and labor-intensive industry into something that's very, very agile and very fast by bringing everything online. So if we look at traditionally how you would obtain a quote for a part, um, you would come up with your design, then you would contact your local machine shop. Uh, They would probably get a quote back to you within maybe a, a few days if they were quick, typically a week. After that, you might have some back and forth about how they require you to change the design so that they can manufacture it for you efficiently and effectively. Um, then they'd put it into their production schedule. Maybe you're looking at another few weeks while you still wait for the part. What we've done is the moment you upload a design, you get an instant quote from us. We'll also give you instant feedback on areas that we think there could be problems in your design. Let's say internal corners for CNC that might need a tool, uh, might need a different tool or hard to remove support. Um, for 3D printing. All this is instantly fed back to our user. Uh, Then with the click of a button, we put that into our production network. And because we have such a large network of suppliers, jobs generally get picked up very, very quickly and in production within five hours on average. And then at that point, we we have an average of a 10-day, 10-working-day turnaround. So Really, you can have from uploading our design to parts in your hand within uh, within two weeks, and we're really trying to accelerate that whole process. And in terms of the de-risking, all the liabilities with 3D Hub, we're, we're the ones who will take the, we're responsible for quality, we'll communicate all the stages of production to you, we'll communicate all the stages of shipping, and we'll guarantee that based on what you've uploaded, we'll deliver parts to a certain quality standard. Ben, I know that in some 3D operations, you have uh, channels through which the plastic has been uh, added to the part, which then has to be trimmed off the part. Does that also happen so that what you deliver is actually a finished part? Correct. Yeah, that is one of our requirements. So as you mentioned, some 3D printing technologies require what we call support material. And support material exists because basically we can't print on thin air. And the example I really like is that the letter, the capital letter T, so the capital T, has overhanging features. And to be able to print the top and the horizontal section of a capital T requires us to build up some support material so that that can actually be printed. And this support material is then broken off and removed mechanically after the print's complete. And the area that it was in contact with the with the final part is, is sanded down and you have this part. And with 3D Hubs, we require all of our manufacturing partners to do this process for the customer unless the customer explicitly asks they would like the support material left on. 
Okay. Now, you've been at this a while, so I imagine you've seen some <laughs> interesting parts. And without giving away any of the military secrets of the Chinese, what interesting <laughs> parts have you seen come through 3D Hub? I mean, I, I suppose our big focus is certainly in the aerospace automotive industry. Uh, we have a lot of customers that come through here, so we, we always see some cool designs. I think I find it particularly interesting now that 75% of all major car brands have 3D printed parts in their production cars. So this is a technology um, 3D printing that's really moving into the production space. Um, so I, I think that's really cool. Generally, it's looked at as a prototyping um, technology, and now we're seeing it make some real disruption in the production space. So that's exciting from that point of view. But for CNC machining, I think hands down our most exciting story is we work with two companies, one out of Canada and one out of Germany, who produce satellites. And we have 3D hub parts that were CNC machined via our platform flying around overhead in satellites in space. So that's something that I think is really impressive and something we're really proud of. Oh, that would be interesting. Well, they <laughs> probably have a little competition because the NASA International Space Station uh, put in a series of 3D printers so they didn't have to spend $20 million for a supply ship to come up with fresh parts. So uh, exactly. they, they've, been, they've been using that there now for years. What I particularly like about this story, Lou and Tim, is that uh, they also set up a recycling station for the 3D printer up there as well. So the, the classic example they use is they often need different sized ratchets to be able to do repairs on the International Space Station. They'll upload the file into the 3D printer and click print. It'll produce the ratchet. They'll use it to do the repair or the maintenance uh, that they need to complete. And then they can put it through this recycling machine, which breaks the plastic back down and turns it into the original build material again. And then they can just use that again to produce the next tool. And this is a fully closed loop where no new material needs to be sent up. They can just change the tool and recycle every time. And I think that's really, really exciting. So recyclable on 3Ds is now in place. Exactly. And to say that we as consumers or businesses are reaping the benefits of this, not just yet, but NASA's done it, and so hopefully it'll, it'll hit the consumer or uh, general space within the next few years. But these are the kind of things I think are really exciting for manufacturing. Having a fully closed loop, uh, you eliminate waste, sustainability, all these types of things, and you just produce things when you need them on demand. Uh, ben, uh 3D printing has been apparently around for quite a while, but it only really hit the uh, the highlights just probably within the last uh, 10 years or even less. Um, what do you see for its future? I mean, if it's gone yeah. from there to here in such a short period of time. What do you see down 10 years down the road? Yeah, I think you're everyone's going to have a 3D printer in their pocket. Uh, that, that was the dream. I was expecting to be eating my 3D printed hamburgers and driving my 3D printed car by now, but we're not quite there yet. Um, but you are correct. It is an old technology. So it was originally patented in the 80s, um, and then there were there were a little bit of there was a little bit of movement in the industrial space uh, through the 90s. But things really took off, and and the word became mainstream, like you said, around around 10 years ago in the late. Uh, in the 2000s or around 2009, 2010. And there was an expiry of a lot of key patents um, that meant that there was an explosion of desktop 3D printers in the market and the media got behind this and suddenly it became a household term. 
Um, and because of that, because of that exposure, there's been explosive growth in the 3D printing industry globally across not just the desktop printers, but all of the industries, um, with a lot of big investment coming from places like Boeing and the automotive industry and the military. Um, and when these industries are really throwing money at 3D printing, uh, we're seeing an acceleration in, uh, in developments that are happening. What am I excited about? Well, I think... Uh, Materials in particular is a big area that there's focus for 3D printing and, and really application-specific materials. So instead of just trying to uh, solve all problems with one material on a 3D printer, having a large range of materials to pick from that all offer very unique properties to an application, um, and I think this is an exciting development. Metal 3D printing is something people talk about a lot as well, and they uh, they really want to know what's going on in the metal 3D printing space. I still think this industry is about five years away from really taking off, um, but it's slowly starting to displace some of your traditional areas in manufacturing, particularly again in, in the medical, dental, aerospace type of area where, where weight and highly customized parts are important. Um, but yeah, I, I think as consumers, where we're seeing a bit of a shift in the type of products that consumers want to engage with. We want to now suddenly, instead of just having things as cheap as possible, we want to have custom parts and, and something that's highly tailored to my needs and something that kind of sets me out as an individual. Uh, and humans are also becoming more conscious of where their products are coming from and, and what happens to them when they're, when they're finished with them. And 3D printing really nicely aligns with all of this. It's an on-demand manufacturing. It's highly customizable and, and it's very simple to use. So I think there will be a lot of movement in the consumer space over the next few years. One, one, one uh, example I particularly like is a vacuum cleaner company um, released all of their 3D models for all of their vacuum cleaners since they, since they started online to their customers. So that the customers, if they had a little bit of mechanical know-how, could actually just take those files and 3D print one of the parts that maybe had become broken in their vacuum cleaner and repair it themselves rather than having to throw the entire vacuum cleaner away. And, and these are the kind of things I really like. Um, and I think uh, as consumers, we're, we're much more aware and interested about these types of solutions. Oh, I would agree. Now, we've talked a lot about the 3D printing capability. Uh, Lou's company, All Metals and Forge Group, is quite familiar with CNC machining because they forge uh, uh, large rings, shafts, hubs, step shafts, uh, cylinders, and a lot of those have to be CNC machined to a finished part. Let's talk mm -hmm. about your injection molding because you, that's apparently is where you have the widest range of materials. Uh, what do you do in an injection molding, Ben? Uh, with injection molding, again, um, customers can come to our website and upload a part, um, and then we'll actually do an instant calculation of tooling price as well as cost per part for them. Um, so our algorithm takes that all into account and calculates the tool cost. Uh, typically for us right now, injection molding is a much more hands-on approach. So we'll actually work with the customer um, and the supplier to ensure the customer is getting exactly their, um, their desirable uh, outcome and to make sure they're really, really happy with, uh, with how things are being produced. And it's generally something that we find needs involvement with an engineer or a salesperson as opposed to a lot of our CNC 3D printing orders where we can just push these through quite quickly and automatically. Um, but yeah, we have partners uh, all around the world for injection molding as well. And um, 
yeah, I think this is a this is a high a space where we think we can be really disruptive because this is a very traditional industry where again things move very slowly and our tool and our website really lets us accelerate that and take all the risk for the customer there. Uh, ben, in in our world of uh, metals uh, and, and other products, uh, ISO, the International Standards Organization specification yes. for quality, is a uh, become a very significant uh, requirement. Uh, do your vendors uh, who produce by 3D printing, uh, many of them have an ISO uh, registration? We have them in our network. Certainly. So for CNC, it's a compulsory requirement if you'd like to be a, uh, a supplier with the 3D hubs. Um, for 3D printing, it's an advantage if you have it, but it's not a, a compulsory requirement. I think the standards industry and 3D printing still have a little bit to agree on, um, and there's not too much in terms of uh, standardization in that industry at the moment, but I think that's an exciting opportunity and something we'll figure out um, going forward. Uh, injection molding, we also require the, the ISO standards, particularly ISO 9001. Um, but again, some of our 3D printing suppliers have the um, have the medical manufacturer standard as well um, as ISO 9001. So yeah, again, that's the benefit of our large network. We we have all these certifications, and if a customer requires it, we can we always have someone in our network who can facilitate those requests. Excellent, thank you, uh, Ben. I'm just wondering in the the world of 3D printing, and Lou asked, you know, where is it going? Today, and particularly in the medical industry, are you printing parts for uh, human replacement parts like knees and hip joints, and how are those generally made? Oh, yes, certainly. It's it's an incredibly common industry. Um, Parts are produced in the hundreds of thousands, and there are thousands of examples of 3D-printed parts and humans walking around today. Um, Probably the three classic... um, the three classic areas in the medical industry are orthopedics, so really, um, in particular, hip, hip replacements. Uh, these can be printed with a porous structure, which really helps integrate into the body and, and lets bone growth and encourages bone growth. Um, also, the dental, dental industry, so crowns um, that are you, you typically cast, they're very expensive. These can be 3D printed out of metal, as well as using 3D printing to actually produce patterns for investment casting. So. They can go either way there. But I think the biggest success story of 3D printing in the medical industry is by far hearing aids. So hearing aids are now uh, 98% of all the world's hearing aids are now 3D printed. They're highly customised, produced um, with optimal materials. And I think 6 out of 10 hearing aids used to be bought back for refitting, and that's down to 1 out of 10 now. So as an industry... Um, this is an example of where 3D Hubs has really found its fit. It's been very disruptive, and it's come in, and now it's the standard for the industry. Everyone who has a hearing aid now will find that it's 3D printed. It sounds like it should probably go for a dollar ninety-five instead of seven thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there are a lot of cost benefits to this as well, without a doubt. If you think uh, the difficulty of producing a highly customized hearing aid with, with traditional methods like urethane casting or whatever needed to be done there, as opposed to just having a model from a 3D scan of, an, of a patient there, clicking a button and the printer does it in a few hours for you. Um, there, there's huge wins there, and I think that's really where we're seeing 3D printing be this most, the most disruptive at the moment for these type of fits in industry. Amazing. Well, Ben, uh, 
as we uh, wrap up this segment, anything else that you want to share? And one of the things we always uh, enjoy hearing about are those unusual stories where, you know, the light goes on for somebody, gee, I hadn't thought of that and 3D printing, or I hadn't thought of that and injection molding that you could share with our listeners? Maybe I'll talk about what I think 3D Hubs is going to do next. How else do okay. we think we can truly impact the manufacturing industry? So this, I'll, I'll paint you my dream scenario that 3D Hubs is going to achieve, try and achieve within the next five years. Right, so as a designer, you're using a CAD software to produce your 3D model, and this is done using generative design. So essentially all you need to do is indicate a few points on a plane, apply a few loads, and the CAD program will automatically generate your design for you uh, with optimal geometry based on the constraints that you've put on in the system. Um, it can produce 10 of these types of models for you, all with different configurations, and these are automatically uploaded to the 3D Hubs website. With the 3D Hubs website, we show you a price for each of the 10 models that, it, that, that your, uh, the CAD software produced, as well as a lead time, and you can quickly make a decision on which one of them you think is the best for your application. So again, with our design for manufacture feedback, you can also see which one's the easiest to manufacture. So very little input from a design point of view, and 3D Hubs helps with that decision-making process. Now, as soon as you decide on the model that you want, you click a button, it fires it off, um, and into some type of CAM software, which automatically calculates the toolpath for a CNC machine. Um, using that, the CNC machine has a standard billet size of material that's loaded in automatically by a robot and begins to machine the part. Uh, all that a uh, machinist needs to do is rotate the part if that's required to be able to finish the machining operations. Um, and then they go back and have their cup of coffee and sit down. As soon as the part's complete, a robot unloads that from the CNC machine and places it in front of a 3D scanner, which scans the part to verify that it's in line with the original 3D model that was uploaded by the customer. Um, it might report to the customer that there are some errors and send an email, and the customer can choose to accept or decline whether these are acceptable based on their application. Then if the customer says, yep, there's no problem here, they click a button, it gets automatically loaded into a, a packaged 3D Hubs branded box, picked up by a drone, and flown to your house and dropped at your front doorstep. You can walk outside with your phone and track every meter the drone as it gets closer and closer to you. All this is constantly updated, um, and you know exactly when you're going to get your parts, what quality they're going to be like, and you have a full understanding and full transparency of what the manufacturing process actually was. That's the dream, and that's what we're going for, and that's what we're going to do within the next five years. That's incredibly exciting stuff. Um, Lou, uh, you and I are shaking our heads, going, "Wow!" I, I, yeah, it's, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. It's really important to highlight to your listeners: this is not the future. This is not technologies that we're waiting to be invented. These things all exist right now, and 3D Hubs is one of the core places that's bringing this all together. So your users don't have to wait and read about this in Time Magazine. They can go online right now to 3DHubs.com access this technology and see what all the hype is about and experience the future of manufacturing with a couple of clicks. And I'd encourage them to do so. Well, Ben, we would too, because that's what Lou and I have been talking about for the last five years on Manufacturing Talk Radio, <laughs> that manufacturing yeah. is not your grandfather's dark, dirty, and dangerous machine shop anymore. Uh, it, this is the world of the digital device and all of those uh, young people who are coming up to take a look at their future and where do they have a career 
it is probably in manufacturing. Agreed. And I think as these technologies keep taking off and as software like 3D Hubs takes off, we're going to need more highly skilled machinists. We're going to need more material experts. We're going to need more engineers. And our hope is we can really drive and rejuvenate this entire industry globally into a place where it's competitive with things like the, uh, the online software industry or the automotive industry or all these types of industries that have really been disrupted lately. And I think that's the exciting part for us as well. Uh, let me ask you specifically, where, where are you located in uh in uh, Europe. So, uh, is yeah, it the our, UK? Our head, yeah, our headquarters are based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, um, but we also have a okay. US team who are based in the US, and if any of your listeners want to reach out to them uh, about a quote or using 3D Hubs, they can just email sales at 3dhubs.com, um, and they'll be put mm-hmm. in touch with a US salesperson straight away. You are also on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash 3D Hubs, and facebook.com slash 3D Hubs. So that's two yes, other places are. they can find you. Or you you're, can come onto do- our website and um, and sign up to be a user, and we'll send you amazing content about the future of three uh, of three D hubs and manufacturing to your inbox every week. Ah, okay. Well, we certainly are going to keep in touch with Amanda because I know that we are looking for uh, information about this industry for our monthly newsletter called Metals and Manufacturing Outlook, which goes out to a growing list of now over 40,000 recipients. And 3D Hubs being as hot-button issue as it is, we'd love to have more from 3dhubs.com. We'd love to contribute. I think there's a lot of synergy there, and that sounds like a great opportunity. So, yeah, I'd say to your listeners, watch this space, and I'm sure Lou and Tim will reach out to you with the best way that you can uh, keep in touch with 3D Hubs. You bet. And uh, we just want to thank you for being on our show. Uh, let's see, it's about, uh, what, 7 o'clock your time? Uh, oh, so, again, we thank you for being on the show. Very interesting. Um, we will uh, reach out to you uh, with a, for a contributor uh, article, if you like, uh, regarding 3D printing. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll post it for you. Uh, Tim, uh, yep. have a good one. Yeah, we certainly will. Ben, thanks for being on Manufacturing Talk Radio. My pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I look forward to seeing some of your listeners coming into our website and placing some orders. Yes, we do, too. We encourage everybody to go to 3D Hubs. And we've been talking with Ben Redwood, who is the Director of Supply Chain for 3D Hubs. It's 3, the letter, the number 3, the letter D-H-U-B-S, 3dhubs.com. And you just uh, type in the website and go see all the amazing things that they're doing. Also, keep in touch with us at mfgtalkradio.com. We will be following 3D Hubs and all of the manufacturers and technologies and people that we've interviewed to keep our listeners and our viewers up to date. Again, we thank all of our listeners for being here for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. And Lou? Uh, Thanks a lot for uh, listening to us today. Tim, wrap it up. And that wraps us up for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. We'll be right back. 